This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Belt, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Broaddus from 105.3 The Fan of Dallas and the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7, Monday through Friday. Uh, Brian, how you doing, man? Doing well, Robert. I'm excited to uh, jump into some of this stuff with you. Again, we uh, the third segment, we're going to have a ton of Twitter questions again. we got a lot of replies yeah. there. You mentioned this week, we're going to have to do a Twitter episode at some point. Yeah, I think so, too, because I think the fans asked some really good questions. And, you know, the, the whole idea of this program, and maybe when we get to training camp in Oxnard and It'll be about more about what we saw, and there'll be some some folks out there that you know hang out at practice and be able to interact with us as well. But I always feel like that you know they're they're the ones that drive this these podcasts. Sure, you know, yeah. I think folks want their questions to be answered. They want to interact with you, and uh, if we can do that, I, I really would look forward to that. So the first topic I want to get into, and I'm, I'm glad because two of the topics that we're touching on here uh, leading into the questions, we're, we're kind of killing two birds with one stone because we've got uh, the, these were questions that we got um, from listeners this week. And so we're just kind of broadening these out. So the first thing I want to jump into with you uh, here, you, Brian, is where are we underselling this football team right now? Like, what are some of the areas of the Cowboys that are better better than we're giving them credit for and this will this will take a little bit of introspection on our part right because we're gonna have to to look at and go okay where have we maybe been a little too critical um so i I got a couple here just that i can throw out and then we can discuss them in greater detail is offensive line one is tyler biotish really that big of a problem um wide receiver Have, have we been a little jaded by who's been healthy at these practices and thus overselling how big a concern that is because your main guys aren't even out there uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, t- when you start to talk about the wide receivers and, you know, I asked uh, today on the G-Bag Nation, um, I reached out to some folks over there at the Cowboys. Everybody's on vacation, as mm-hmm. you well know, but yeah. there's some people still working over there doing stuff, you know, rehab things and different uh, different things like that. And I was just really curious because you and I had been watching practice and we'd been we'd been seeing Michael Gallup move around. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm watching Michael Gallup hop around like he's about to run the 55 meters, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and he's he's bouncing around. He's doing that those track warm ups, you sure. know, the stretching and mm-hmm. all. And he's bouncing on that knee pretty good. And, you know, you're like going, man, he looks a lot better than I think he would for when he had the surgery. 
And so, you know, I reached out to a couple of folks over there doing rehab work and I said, Hey, uh, you know, what, what's the scoop? What's the deal? I mean, am I overselling the fact that Michael Gallup looks like he's ready to play tomorrow? And then the indications that you get, you know, from them is like, listen, there's still a plan. There's still a plan. There's still something that we, you know, we have in mind for what we want to do. Mm-hmm. The biggest concern I think they have is they want to make sure they do everything in their power to keep him off the PUP list, the yeah. PUP list. Yeah. Because if he goes on that PUP list to start the season, that's six weeks. And now it turns into, oh, all these things we've been talking about with the wide receiver crew, well, get ready. You know, I mean, you're not going to have this guy for six weeks. Now, you know, maybe Tolbert and Washington and all those guys step up. And I still think there's concern. But I did feel better about what I heard about Gallup. You know, I did feel like, hey, he's coming along nicely and stuff like that. So my eyes didn't lie that way. But if, in fact, this turns into, well, maybe there's a setback, you know, maybe things didn't really work out really as well as they needed to, you know, in training camp, you know, as he's working on the side, is that a PUP? Mm-hmm. And if, if he goes on for six weeks, you know, nobody can tell me that Washington, Tolbert, and CeeDee Lamb are going to scare anybody. I think Lamb no. scares people. You know, I think Lamb does. But the other two, Washington, you know, a little bit underperforming, I'd say the last few years. Quarterback situation maybe helped that. Sure. Tolbert, you know, rookies – that are wide receivers learning curve not as steep as it once was Mm -hmm. but you know he missed some practices too with you know hamstring tightness you know i don't know if that's precautionary or something he can't get hurt you know you Mm -hmm. can't roll noah brown out there and vasher and and and, you know anybody else and think oh we're going to be just fine at wide receiver you know i kind of feel like that it's really really going to be important for tolbert Washington to have a really good training camp. So it puts my mind at ease if, in fact, something happens with Gallup, which I'm hoping not. So do you think that's one area where have we undersold it at all, or do no, you think we've I, just I been was, realistic? I was I think we've been very realistic yeah. about it. And you know, you brought it up. You said, have we have we under have we oversold undersold, you know, the the concern of you know with the wide receiver? I'm like, no, because I even though I got, I felt like good, got good Gallup news. And by the way, Jabril Cox is ready day one at training camp. Yeah. So Jabril Cox will be ready to good go deal. from the start. So that's happy to report. But you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and say that I feel great about the wide receiver crew until I know exactly that Gallup's not on PUP and he's probably just gonna miss the Tampa game. That's kind of where I feel. The offensive line question then is, have we oversold? And I'm not saying that we have. It's just going over. I think we're just looking at areas where we've been critical and tried to just be introspective and say, okay, maybe maybe we could go a little lighter there. The offensive line, I think we've been reasonable about the tackles and the guards and the swing tackles and all those things. So I guess the bigger question would be, when it, with everybody wanting Tyler Linderbaum and some people going like, go get me a J.C. Treader or something yeah. like that. Um, have we oversold the concerns about Tyler Biotish? Like, like, is he as bad as it feels like everybody's talked about? No, and I think that's the the new concern is that, and we had a chance to interview uh, Tyler Biotish, you know, here on 105.3. He's not the biggest guy physically, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you talk to people much like you have, Bobby, 
you know, the, 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 the mental side, the mental side of the game was something that people were concerned about over there. Right. You know, and I'm not saying, hey, he's a dumb guy. No, he's not. But the problem is he comes from Wisconsin and you're expecting Travis Frederick, you know, who could walk in right now and go work at NASA, you know, or go work, you know, some, you know, some job where he's, you know, having to use his brain all, you know, all day, all the right. time. But, you know, and, and, and be honest, he wasn't good at the beginning of the season. And, and this is funny when they were running the ball and all that. He wasn't as good. I thought he got better. He was he wasn't the liability in the second half like some of the others. Yeah. So my hope is that you know that him feeling a little bit more comfortable. They've got some bigger issues and and they haven't helped me with what's going on at left guard. Now I, I can hey the scouts will tell you they they that they felt like that Joe Philbin worked them on on Connor McGovern. Mm-hmm. They feel you know but Connor McGovern got some starts last year. Yeah. And then what happened? They went back to, you know, they went back to Connor, William, Williams, Connor yeah. Williams, you know, so they really obviously didn't think that was very good. So all of a sudden you got Joe Philbin. Well, I told you guys, you know, I told you now we got to go back to Connor Williams. And I, man, I, I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. But the, the thing about it is who started the OTAs and me camps. And, and I'm not trying to read too much into that. Sure. But those are clues to me. The fact that you moving guys around at from to the three technique or what? Okay, you you could say ah, this is just OTAs and minicamps. But the guy that was getting the lion's share of the work at left guard is the guy that started three four games last year and then got yanked. Yeah. So, is there a change in heart there? Do they? You know, I would have rather seen Tyler Smith be plug and play and let's go. That's what I and if you want to put Connor McGovern at center, he played a little at Penn State. I still think he's probably the backup at center. I think if something happens, we'll see with Farniok and guys like that. Yeah. You know. But I kind of feel like I, I don't feel that I got any answers for how they're going to play us. Now, if we get to Oxnard and you and I are watching practice and Tyler Smith is the starter at left guard from day one, they put him in there and let's go. I'll feel better about the offensive line situation. I don't feel great about the right tackle. I know people on Twitter have kind of got on me a little bit about, well, heck, we were six and one, you know, with with uh, Terrence Steele playing right tackle. Yeah, I'm. I'm I've watched Terrence Steele get walked. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 Tyler Smith and I'm I'm gonna I will die on this hill. <laughs> I will die on this hill. Tyler Smith is so much stronger than Terrence Steele right now. Yeah, more athletic. More athletic and stronger. Mm-hmm. If you told me that they're just going to let Terrence Steele go without a fight over there, and I get it, well, let's go and ball and all that, but if you're just going to let that go without a fight over there, if Tyler Smith's not playing left guard, man, I now I'm really questioning what's going on there. So, no, I, I still think we've been very, very fair about that. I, I saw a DallasCowboys.com mailbag. Uh, I think it was earlier this week. And, and you know, uh, our old pal over there, Nick Eatman, he's a very plugged-in person. And, sure. And, and he loves to – sometimes he's just talking, but other times he may be dropping you a little clue. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did see something this week that I was like, oh, Brian might be able to feel vindicated. It was Nick suggested that, all right, well, let's say you roll, run McGovern out there at left guard. Yeah. Maybe they do talk about Tyler Smith. So made me wonder if Nick was maybe – hearing something Nick, about that there's nobody in the building that could whisper that to nick 
you know, unless mm-hmm. he bumps into somebody by sure. accident. But everybody over there is on vacation here for the next probably two weeks. Yeah. And then the week before training camp, the 20th, everybody will start rolling back in that building. But yeah, it, to me, I, I'm just doing it as an evaluator. Yeah. You know, you drafted Tyler Smith for a reason, and you're talking about a left side player. Yes. Well, you know, damn, you know what? If he's not playing on the left side, let me let him compete on the at right tackle. You know, because I, I do not want I do not want Dak Prescott in a situation where all of a sudden number seventy eight is getting driven to him. And it doesn't happen every single play, but it happens enough where it you does. where you're like Man, he luckily Dak got rid of the ball. He hung on there. Good job, you know. Good job of of Terrence Steele. You know, people have figured out how to t- how to play Terrence Steele. You take your head and you run it right in his chest and run him back into the quarterback. Yeah, because he has a hard time setting his feet. Well, and, and I but think, they're comfortable with that. Yeah, and I think that look, what I would guess there, and this is a big thing we should be watching for at training camp. Does he make a similar leap? Like he yeah. did because year two, obviously he was so much better than year one. Even with the issues, he was a much better player last year than he was as a rookie. And so that's one thing to watch is okay. Let's see if he's making similar jumps because if he is, maybe that makes you feel a little better about it. Can I give you one silver lining suggestion? And maybe yeah, I'm wrong. I, you know, and again, the whole idea here is are where are we underselling this team? Yeah, I would say we're underselling the linebackers. Myself is what that's I would fair, say because I've I been critical say, of them. I would say we're underselling the linebackers. I think we're giving the the defensive backs credit. I think we're giving the, I know I'm giving the defensive line a lot of credit and there's people in the, you know, the, depending on who you, if you like pro football focus or ESPN sure. or football outside, whoever you like, there's people mentioning about the Dallas Cowboys defensive line. And there's other people saying it's a good group. And then there's others that are like, nah, yeah, the defensive tackles. How can you trust these guys? What are they going to do at right defensive end? You know, I, I, I think the defensive line. I'm not worried about a lot of the defensive side of the ball. I'm just not. Well, then let me let me give you first off before I, I give you one more to for us to consider, and it's the big one. But before I do that, on the topic of Tyler Smith and you saying like, man, they're 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 not really giving him those reps at left guard, and that's been a discussion point right. for a lot of people. Um, I know you had said if he performs really well at left guard, maybe they go, man, you're just a guard now. We got to keep you there. Yeah. So so I'll, I'll just throw you a question. I don't know this. I'm just curious if you think this is possible. Is it possible that after they've watched him in these practices, they view him as such a talented potential future tackle that they just want him focusing on that? Is that possible? Yeah. I mean, that, that, or is that too optimistic? I, <laughs> man, you know, if you said that, if you, and you just did. So yeah, I would say that you got some insight like Nick Eatman there. Which I don't. I'm just throwing it out there. Is, just, yeah, is that a potential silver lining no, as to I mean, why they're doing it? Again, you know, we I mentioned the one rep that we saw against, you know, when he was when he was rushing uh, Parsons. When Parsons yeah. rushed him, Stonewalled and he stoned him. him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then Parsons went over the other side and walked, you know, steel, steel right, right to the back, ground. Yeah, yep. right back. And so you're thinking, well, this, you know, this guy might be. It might be if you get the hands cleaned up and the athletic ability and the toughness and all that. Maybe they're thinking like, man, this guy's better than just a guard. Yeah. Maybe he is a legitimate offense. But and and maybe they didn't want to show us that in mini camps and OTAs and stuff like that. Maybe they didn't want to just go ahead and plug him in there at right tackle and say, Oh, there's a competition over here. Yeah. I think if he's if he doesn't start, I am not, I am not putting him because I know Tyron Smith's gonna miss three three games. Right. So I know that Tyron Smith's going to miss those games. So I'm going to sit there and say, I would rather him play right tackle 
then if something happens, he has to move to the left. It's not like you're throwing him into like a week seven or week eight game where he's got no no snaps. Sure. Yeah, so. no, I think that's fair. Last one here. Have we been, because I know you and I, we split on quarterback. We know this. Yeah. Uh, but is, is quarterback one that we've undersold in terms of, are we looking enough at the context clues from 2021 where it's like, man, there's a definitive point where things changed and it was when an injury occurred. So yeah. should we feel a little better about the quarterback than we've... You should. Okay. You should because I feel like two things. The quarterback is always physically going to be in shape. We've seen, you know, videos, pictures of him. He looks great. He's always going to be that way. Now, the mental side of things, what broke down? Why were they struggling? Why were teams That's running fair. shell? That's what I want. I, I know he's always going to be uh, physically right. Mentally, let's see. But I'll tell you what, though, if he starts running the ball again and playing physical and doing the things like Dak Prescott we've seen in years past, we're underselling the quarterback, or at least I'm underselling the quarterback. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast uh, with myself, Bobby Belt, and Brian Broaddus. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Broaddus, Brian with a Y. Make sure you get that right. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bobby Belt TX. Uh, the Love of the Star, is, as we like to tell you guys, it is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host, Harrison Sanford, on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Right, so that's a, a good conversation there about where we might be underselling this team. The other thing I want to look at here, and this might, I started prepping for this, Brian, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to, I think, break this up into parts, which we always get so many questions about, hey, are they going to look at a free agent corner? Are they going to look at a free agent receiver? Are they going to get a free agent swing tackle? And so I, I was looking at a couple of positions and I wanted us to run through what are realistic names because obviously everybody wants you know, a Julio Jones out there, or, you know, a JC Treader, like we mentioned yeah. earlier, that's just generally not where they're going to play. It's, it's not the area that they play in, even when they get to summer and you're talking about a post June one cut, they look at guys who are, uh, you know, make sense for other reasons a lot of times. Um, and so I was looking at a bunch of different positions and I realized we only really have time for receiver. Uh, I think once we go through that, cause I think that's the big one that everybody's been asking about yeah. has been receiver. And so we're going to focus on a few names, and I'm going to get into those after we kick around some of the bigger ones. And some of the top free agents right now, Julio Jones, Will Fuller, T.Y. Hilton, Cole Beasley, Odell Beckham, some of the big trade names, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf. We're realistically not, I don't think, going to be looking at any of those. Maybe things change, and maybe they do like a, a Julio Jones or something like that if it makes sense for them. But I think in general, those aren't realistic options for the Cowboys, right? No, and you know, and I was looking, like I said, Julio Jones has had a tremendous career. He can't mm-hmm. stay healthy. So what yeah. are you trying to do? You're trying to get a player that can come in here and and take up 
you know, the take up the, the you know, the, the, the work and, and be yeah. available and, and ready to go. You can't you can't have a guy that all of a sudden you bring him in and then he turns up on the injured list. You know, that that's just not going to happen. Julio Jones is, is a tremendous player. Will Fuller can run like a son of a gun. Mm-hmm. He can separate. T.Y. Hilton, very crafty in the way he plays. Cole Beasley, interested, interesting, but you wonder if he's just burned so many bridges along the way that maybe that wouldn't be a return. He's also small. Yeah. And, and I know Mike McCarthy, I've been told Mike McCarthy and Robert. Doesn't want slot-only guys. Robert yeah. Prince, too. They don't yeah. like undersized slot guys. Yeah, So and then the thing with Beckham, he's not available till what, November? Right. November, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a tough one That's right what there. you got to look at. And yeah. then, obviously, on the trade names, now – we have talked about how they've been shown that they're willing to spend capital. If for some reason a disaster happens like Pup and Washington and Tolbert are yeah. not performing like they want and CD's not shown to be the one that they would, do you think there is any, even the slightest chance they would kick the tires on a Debo or a DK? I'd like to believe that the one position that they would give up assets for and the history has shown that they've done it before is wide receiver. So if in fact it's, you know, we'll see with the whole thing with with Debo. You know, is would that be the best fit? You know, yeah, he just does so much for you. You know, but would Kellen Moore be able to use him? Like, you know, we've right. like, we've seen him being used in San Francisco. Because he can't. He, they they haven't been able to use Tony Pollard. They haven't been able to use Tony Pollard. So again, those are the problems. DK Metcalf, though, it it seems like to me that would be very interesting because the situation in Seattle. Seattle finally had a damn good draft. Yeah. You know, my man, John Snyder, I, I don't know what. You were ready to troll him the entire draft show, and you I, couldn't. I, I couldn't troll him. I except, could not, when he, except when he picked a running back he in the did, second round. He did. He he, help but that John there. cannot help himself as a former running back himself. <laughs> so, yeah, the DK Metcalf one, I kind of feel like you need to monitor those names. I do. Samuel, Metcalf, I think you want to keep in touch with those teams. Just so if we get to the point where it's like you get into training camp and you're not happy or you're, you're talking about potential pup. So, yeah, I, I keep those warm possibilities. Sure, anything's possible in the NFL. We've seen that. And Jerry Jones has been willing to move, you know, move picks, multiple picks, to make sure he gets a wide receiver. So I think when you're looking at, when it comes to the talent acquisition business, when you're looking at a, a player, whether through the draft, free agency, or trade, you obviously want them to have skills and, and you want them to fit, uh, you know, your, your scheme and everything like that. You, you want those things that make them a productive player at the position. But talent is not the only thing that matters to teams. And I know that bugs a lot of people. Yeah. It's just, you know, oh, it should just be all about talent. But there are, I mean, a number of factors to consider. So when it comes to figuring out who the Cowboys might target to bolster positions of weakness heading into camp, I think we need to remember a few things that matter to them. And I, I kind of wrote out five of them here. First off, flexibility. So they love guys who are position flexible. So that means if you play tackle, they love it if you can play guard or if you can play both sides. Uh, If you play receiver, they like guys who can play inside and outside. To to me, flexibility is going to be a big thing with whatever position. It always is. That's their favorite buzzword, and I kind of appreciate it. Position flex. Yeah, I appreciated it like five years ago, and now I absolutely hate it (laughs) because it makes me feel like this guy is good enough to be on the team, but he's not good enough to play the position that we want him to play. Yeah size so with that flexibility there comes certain size parameters the cowboys likely aren't going to be looking for any receivers under six feet tall they just won't do that offensive linemen that have short arms they're going to be certain things that the cowboys are are going to need to take into consideration so i think that's a big part of it yeah Uh, affordability um i i think they aren't going to be looking to break the bank unless like you mentioned things get desperate and they've got to make a receiver move but i think what's more likely if they were to sign somebody at camp 
They want somebody who's not going to break the bank. They just yeah. want an insurance policy. See, that's what they, exactly. Will McClay always described this about Will is that he's always looking to protect himself. Yeah. You know, protect, you know, even if they have multiple guys at a position, draft another one, sign another one to kind of protect yourself. Sure. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Uh, number four I have here, and we talked about it a little bit there with Julio. You mentioned it. Health. Yeah. Part of the reason the Cowboys. Availability. Would, yeah. Part of the reason the Cowboys would be making a late signing to a position group is because they've had injuries. So they've been banged up at receiver throughout the summer. It's caused questions about the position. They want confidence that, okay, whoever we're bringing in here is going to be healthy. That's exactly and gonna, right. Yeah. And not, and not just healthy. Like you pointed out, one of their big frustrations, Amari Cooper didn't miss games, but he missed practices missed and that practice. drove them nuts. Drove them nuts. Yep. Sure did. And then the last one, and I don't think this is a prerequisite, but I think it's like any other job that you talk about or any other workforce that you talk about familiarity so it's not yeah. a requirement but if they have familiarity with you if they know you yeah. or a coach knows you i think that's a big plus for them they will they will they will lean on a dan quinn they'll lean on a george edwards they will lean on these coaches because will mcclay the first thing he's going to do is he's going to ask these coaches hey who do you like and a guy like george edwards give george edwards credit for curse yeah because he'd been with he'd been with curse mm-hmm. so he knew about curse as a as a guy to sign you know, look at Hooker, you know, yeah. guys, I mean, excuse me, uh, KZ. KZ, KZ, I'm sorry, Keanu the others, yeah, yeah, Keanu Neal, those kinds of guys, if they know the player, Will McClay is more likely to try and bring those guys on board. So I've got, if we're looking at receivers, I'm going to give you some names that I think are much more realistic than your Julio. They're not going to get you guys excited, I promise, but I mean, maybe you find some value here. First name I'm going to throw out, Muhammad Sanu, and this would be a guy that you would sign uh, he checks about every single box of those five that we talked about. He's 6'2", 210 pounds. He's a bigger slot who has the ability to take snaps outside. Yep. He's, he's going to be 33 in August, but he's still a really effective route runner. That's how he made his name in the NFL was just he was a really good route runner. He mm-hmm. wasn't an incredible athlete. I think he's a 4'6 guy, um, but a really good route runner, not going to come at a steep price, and he's been able to stay relatively healthy throughout most of his career. A big check mark for Sanu would be his familiarity with receivers coach Robert Prince, who he played for with yeah. the Lions in 2020. Those types of relationships matter. And then also, anything they want to know about this guy's football character, they can get it from Dan Quinn. And so I think if you're looking for an area where Sanu might be a turnoff, it's the fact that he really isn't going to contribute much on special teams. But see, Sanu a name of interest, do you think? Yeah, but see, that's what I'm saying. You're looking at Sanu and you're looking at Washington. Those kinds of, I mean, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the type of person that's you'd the, have to the, bank the, on. That's that's what I'm saying, though. If a guy like Washington doesn't show up, then all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe we have to go look at Sanu. I mean, I just don't see keeping a veteran guy if they're not doing anything for you. But again, the, the key one that you talk about is familiarity. And if Robert Prince knows the player, then Dan Quinn knows the player, will vouch. Sponsorship goes a long way on a roster, and Sanu fits that. The uh, you, You've got your option of two Chris's, okay? Uh, and this, is, this would be a trade with the Texans. This would not be a signing. Uh, but it's wide receiver Chris Conley or wide receiver Chris Moore. So Conley, he turns 30 in October. He's a ridiculous athlete. He blew up the combine in 2015. Sure did. All these crazy things that he did. He started 62 games during his seven-year career. It's been with the Chiefs, Jaguars, and Texans. He is a big target. He only plays about a quarter of his snaps from the slot, but uh, he's got some of that inside-outside versatility that the Cowboys won. He's got the size. He was with Robert Prince last year with the Texans. Both of these guys were. Uh, and, and Prince spoke really highly. I was doing some research on this. He spoke really highly of Chris Conley's leadership traits. Yeah. And we know they want more juice out of the receiver room. So if they brought Robert Prince in for that and Prince says this is a guy that fits, I think that would go a long way. 
Chris Moore just turned 29. Uh, he's a really exceptional athlete. He doesn't have the elite long time speed that Chris Conley does, but he's mm. great in every other area. Um, he played largely outside the first five years of his career with the Ravens, but it was Robert Prince who who recognized the versatility and had him split his snaps more evenly between the slot and the outside in their one season together last year. Uh, he played more played 14% of his snaps in the slot for Baltimore for those five years. And that number jumped to 53% with Robert Prince and the Texans in 2020. Yeah. So played him like really all over the place. And uh, Moore's a guy who also returned 46 kicks in his career. No yeah. punts. Um, but he's also made 20 special teams tackles. So this is a guy who can return, will can play gunner, can do some things inside, outside. He's still in his 20s. The chatter out of Houston that I've seen is that Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Philip Dorsett, and John Mechie are the top four receivers. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And they're only expected to keep five. So you could maybe flip a late round conditional pick or maybe some you know positional depth for more yeah. Conley. Any of yeah. the, either of those guys maybe do I'll something? I'll tell you more? what, to me, I mean, if you think about it, the the, and now you, when you start to talk about more, mm-hmm. you're getting into an area where now Bones Fossil it will be involved. Right. You know, Bones Fossil will then say, "Well, it's twenty special teams tackles. You know, how do I? You know, how do I, now? What is now Noah, you might what, have two sponsors? Yeah, but what did what has Noah Brown done too? Noah, Noah Brown's that's a like, good question. Let's see what he's done for his career on but special see, but, teams. But that's what I'm saying. He's primarily. I mean, that's something that Jason Garrett remember was always talking about. Yep. With him, and they managed to kind of keep him around. He plays special teams. He's like a personal protector. He covers kicks. He covers punt. You know, all those things he does. So I mean, they block. He's a blocker on the kickoff return. Yeah, he has nine tackles in his career. See, that's on what I'm saying. Teams. There you go. So I mean, so, more and more will return kicks. Like, that's like what I'm they, saying. Like he can be a kick guy. He can be a gunner. That's, he can be a receiver who can blaze the slot. I think that would be really attractive. That you would be. I think that there. would be very attractive. And you talked about it. You know, do you do it with a a late round pick or like you talk about with some surplus? If you're gonna if you're gonna let Basham go, they need pass rushers in Houston. If you're yeah. gonna cut Basham, well, maybe Basham go, was hey. Basham was he in Houston at one time? Why am I thinking? No, like no, the, no. He was Jets and uh, I can't remember where the other buddy was. They, they, they've dealt Colt, with Houston. Colts and Jets. Yeah, I think. That's right. I'm, I was thinking of something else there. You know, he, but Charles Amenahue, maybe somebody like that. Yeah, but no, but I mean, honestly, or if you if you don't feel good about Josh Ball, they need offensive line depth in Houston. Maybe they say, well, yeah. we'll take a chance on his athleticism. Sure, sure. So a couple names to consider there, and then here's one who does not check the bo- a box of familiarity, but I think would still make some sense, and that's Chester Rogers. And Chester Rogers was an undrafted free agent out of Grambling State in 2016, but he spent four seasons with the Colts, was able to hang around for a long time, started 22 games. Then he signed with the Titans practice uh, squad in 2020 after he had a brief stint with the Dolphins in training camp, played the 2021 season with the Titans, played in 16 games, started two. He's six feet tall, 185 pounds, um, has played the vast majority of snaps in the slot. It's over 70% of the snaps in his career. So uh, there have been some times when he's been used outside uh, and he's not so slightly built that he couldn't contribute out there, but it's not been his primary spot. Um, and then Rogers' biggest knock, I think, from some of the stuff you see, it's it's kind of average route running and, and he's struggled with drops at times. But mm-hmm. where he could be of real interest is the, the added ability as yeah, the returner. The returner. Yeah, because yeah. this is a guy who does kicks and punts, 90 punt returns in his career, 19 kick returns. In fact, he's averaged 9.4 career yards per punt return uh, and that ranks him 11th best among all active players and so you know they they 
they looked like they were lost trying to figure out punt returners while we were out here at these no, OTAs. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was it was like it was like anybody that was a skill position guy line up, we're gonna try and figure this out. Yeah, I mean they had tight ends catching stuff yeah. like Peyton Henry and guys yep. like that. So there's just a couple names there. Sanu, Conley, Moore, and uh Chester Rudge. So out of those, I, I get the sense the one that would be most intriguing to you based on the bio sounded like it might be Chris Moore. If I if I had to go on just the evaluation of what we just went through, I would go more Conley and then Rogers is how I would do this. Right, very good. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star. It is an Odyssey podcast. You can uh, find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian. It is now time for what I know is your favorite part of the show. My, I love fa- this. my favorite part of the show too, because no. they, they come up. Honestly, you guys are such great uh, segment creators. You right. give us a lot of stuff that we can talk about. So I, I absolutely appreciate these questions that you guys kick in. So uh, we got a lot of them. Again, so many that I've got to stash away some for the future. For, for a week when I know yeah. we're, we're a little slower. But uh, we got a lot of questions this week. First one from uh, Paul at TTUB, Paul. He says, any news on Tyron Smith health-wise? Health Do we expect him to start or let the rookie take a swing at it? So if he's healthy, he's starting. Right. Here's the only concern I have, and this is not something that I know for sure. In fact, I need to ask some people about it, I guess, is that the fact that we saw Tyler Smith taking so few reps at guard yeah, and that he was aggressively splitting snaps, even when Tyron was back in there, right. Tyler Smith was getting a lot of first-team reps. It made me wonder if that back issue that flared up and caused him to miss a practice, I wonder if that was lingering. I think they're in a situation right now with, with Tyron Smith that we might not see him practice a whole heck of a lot in Oxnard. You know, it might be like veteran day, you know, they, they're just, you just never know with Tyron Smith. He could literally go and wake up in a, you know, an Oxnard and the bed be bad yeah. and his back is bad. Yeah. And then he's out for, you know, then they're keeping him out for, you know, a whole week or something like that. I can just see him once again, getting babied through, you know, through camp and then hoping for the best. I mean, where Tyron Smith has had the most problems is when people fall down around his legs and then he yeah. gets knee problems and stuff like that because guys get driven into the back of his legs and he gets rolled up on and stuff like that. So, yeah, I man, those are the things I always worry about, but I, I could see them kind of babying him along and making sure of this. Uh, Colin Brennan here at sports underscore Colin, and, and we kind of did a little bit of this. It, it wasn't so much trying to be optimistic. It was just more what are we overselling or underselling, but he says a lot of pessimism, rightfully so, heading into the Cowboys training camp. Vibes are not good. Let's brighten this up. What are the three biggest reasons for optimism this team this year? And his picks are Dak is fully healthy, Diggs, Parsons, and Quinn in year two, and then Tyler Smith's ceiling. I think those are are great reasons to be excited. Um, I think that, look, if you're looking for some reasons for optimism, if we're just looking for three, I think the biggest one to me is Dak is healed up. Now, like you point out, there's going to be some questions about, okay, where, where is he at in terms of, you know, his, between the ears. Dak is not a dumb guy. No, no, no. No, but he works hard, and he has to work hard because, again, he's, you know, but this is year seven, you know, and, and you, you got to get to a point in time where, you know, things, you start to see things and you trust things and you let it go right. and stuff like that. And I can understand injured Dak Prescott, nervous about, do I need to run? Do I need to get out of here? Do I need to move? I can get that. You know, I, I kind of expect it's like it's like the guys that have the Achilles injuries. It's not the after the first year, it's the second year. Yep. So I think that Dak Prescott, but again, mentally we just need Dak Prescott to be, you know, top shelf here. We need him like, you know, okay, you're trying to fool me here. You're trying to do this to me. You're trying to, you know, the, the great ones have that ability to just bang, bang, bang. They make the decisions. They know where they're going to go with the ball, and then they let it fly. 
and there's no hesitation. Dak physically will be fine. Mentally, if he's as good mentally as he looks physically, he can he can they're gonna win a lot of football games this year. Yeah, I, I'd say if you need some reasons for optimism, you still have the best quarterback in the NFC East. That that's a that's big true. plus right there. Um, I think that another big thing is these last couple drafts we've shown we've seen what the scouting department's been able to do, even when other people maybe had doubts about yeah. the players that they picked. So I think you should be really excited about these guys that the scouting staff is really excited about. So they they are excited about Jalen Tolbert. They're excited about Tyler Smith. So regardless of, of some of the criticism you may see out there, just know that the guys who you've put your trust in the last couple of years to bring you Micah Parsons like they did, bring you, you know, Trayvon Diggs and, and show you these guys that you, you should be excited that they're so excited about some of the value they got on these guys. No, absolutely. And, you know, and I don't think it's just all, you know, pessimism. I, I really don't. And, but I, I think that to me, there's questions, you know, you're yeah. Philadelphia got better, you know, they're still bad at quarterback, I think, you know, but their roster got better. The Giants sure. got a better general manager. They got a better head coach. They've got a real offensive coordinator. Yep. You know, could this be the thing that unlocks Daniel Jones or is it just a complete bust? You know, their roster got better. You know, the Giants roster got better, you know, in the draft. You know, think about what the commanders, the commanders were just a, you know, they, they were awful on third down defense to start the year. And when they were bad on defense, it cost them. But I think that I don't think that I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. I just think it's going to be more competitive in the division and there can't I don't see anybody going, you know, winning this thing by three or four games. But you know, if you're not if you're not in lockstep with some of these other teams when it comes to your players, then you're then you're could be in some trouble with the season. And that's why I think you have it's our job to talk about the questions yeah. of the guard, the tackle, the wide receivers, you know, uh Kelvin Joseph. That's our job. Because oh, yeah. those are those are concerns. Those are legitimate concerns yeah, that they what, talk about what, over you, there. They talk about the same thing in meetings. Trust me, I've been in these meetings. Sure. When you think you look at all the tags on the board, you're going, "Man, we're we got to give this thing ten days. If we give it ten days, will we be better here? Will we be better here? Will we be better here? You know, that's that's how front office guys and gals approach looking at their team. Yeah, Will McClay and this group after 10 practices, we'll be able to say, we're not very good here, and we need to get better there. Which, uh, like, like Or the, we're really good here, and we just need to keep going that direction. Yeah, yeah, and I, as, like Their I said, defense got better. Yeah. Their defense got better because of their coaching staff and the guys that they brought in. Yeah, the pro, the pro scouting department had a great year last year. Yeah. Um, and, and it helped that you had, I think, the teacher that you did in Dan Quinn. Like I said, Colin was it was clear. I said, the, the pessimism that's out there is rightfully so yeah in a lot no of he's not, he's not so, wrong yeah so yeah I, I think that that's a a fair thing uh brian this is something i know you've talked about before but i know people are always asking us about it we talked about the veterans last segment and like i said hopefully in the next couple weeks we'll be able to touch on some other positions uh but somebody asking i've seen the cowboys had uh i've seen the cowboys still had interest in anthony Barr. what's the chances he's signed sooner at, at all i know you've said that, that might be a little too steep money wise. Yeah, I, I think to me when I was talking to some of the cap guys over there off coming off the field one day, I said, "Hey, what's the situation with some of these big time free agent guys?" And they were basically to a man were like saying, "These some of these guys want too much money, you know." Yeah. But what you have is guys like an Anthony Barr. You know, does Anthony Barr wait till training camp's over with, and then go? And you know, a lot of these veterans don't want to go to training camp. 
They don't yeah. want. They don't <laughs> want to put themselves through that. So you know, there's talk about Anthony Barr going back to Minnesota. But yeah, if you know Anthony Barr's wanting eleven, twelve million dollars on a one-year deal, I don't know if the Cowboys will necessarily do that. Yeah, and we, I mean, we've talked about the importance of sponsors. Would George Edwards be willing to be that? I think sponsor? so. Yeah, Perhaps. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think every, I think people would love to have Anthony Barr, but the, but do you want Anthony Barr for eleven or twelve million dollars, which he's asking for? And the cap guys are, and it, I don't think it's being cheap. They're saying, hey, listen, this guy's out here looking for a job. But you know, you know, he he he'll probably go back. He'll probably give Minnesota a hometown discount, and everybody else will try and work. Uh, next question here from uh, Luis Moreno. He asks, "Who is your dark horse candidate at wide receiver to push for a roster spot that is maybe on the outside looking in right now?" Thank you. Uh, so I would guess that the we're not talking about somebody who may be on the bubble who's been here, like Fajoko or Noah Brown. But I think they'll be in contention for a spot. So let me run through some of the receiver names for you real quick, Brian. You tell me if anybody stands out, because I think there's one, maybe two. Uh, Dontario Drummond, Ty Freifogel, Dennis Houston, uh, Jaquiral Robinson. I still have not heard that young man's name. I apologize. Yeah. Brandon Smith and TJ Vasher. Do any of those guys stand out to you as a guy who has it a It seems like that Houston got a ton of work on those practices that we watched. Yep. So something obviously there... Uh, from that young man and you know i mean his history and stuff like that he's a rookie from western illinois you know uh, uh you know it, it was an undrafted free agent in this past draft and stuff like that you know he's got the size 6'1 198 i i mean i i kind of like what i saw with him moving around a little bit vasher's the one that everybody seems to like have a have an eye on that that maybe that he could be the guy that steps up because traditionally they've had guys free agents that have been able or undrafted guys. I know he's a one year guy out of tech. He was a undrafted free agent in 2021. But you know, I mean, these guys. If you're going to make this team, if you're going to make this team as an undrafted guy, yep. you're going to have to be at every practice, and you're going to have to find ways to show up. And I mean, availability means that they can count on you. You know, but if you're a guy that has like three good practices and then all of a sudden you get hurt and then you're out of sight, out of mind, you lose that momentum. Like they, they want they want to be able to talk about guys that are there every single day. So it's important for those wide receivers to kind of fight through any type of pain or discomfort that they have from the amount of running they do. It's tough to make a team as a as a wide receiver. Yeah. when you're a free agent because you know there's so many there's things stacked against you you know on, along the way but you got to be available to make the team yeah and i would say that one of, one of the reasons why vasher not only just because you know mike mccarthy's talked about him and he's yeah. gotten a lot of reps as the first thing one of the things i'd say is i was listening to an interview when we were talking about chris moore and chris conley last segment i was listening to an interview that uh robert prince had done with uh the houston texans website in june of last year and they were obviously trying to get to know him and, and some stuff like that. And he said something that really stuck out to me because I had heard he likes bigger receivers. He six, like six, two, ten. He's six, six, two, ten. And he said something about talking about play styles. He said, you know, when you're a smaller guy, you need to be a better route runner. Right. Because you need to be able to to get that separation. He said, right. When you're a bigger guy, you're kind of in theory always open. 
if you're bigger than some of these other guys that are covering you, you've always got a shot. And that really stuck out to me when I started thinking well, about Vasher being yeah. as big as he is. Well, that's what I'm saying, because when you defend guys, it's all those, remember all those six, seven tight ends, Bobby, that we were watching in uh, in the draft? Yeah. They were what were they doing? They were, tower- they were towering over defenders. And it's like these defenders were hitting them on the wrists and things like that, but they were able to extend and not, and, and you couldn't get near the ball. Right. Six, six guys aren't supposed to be great route runners. Too long, too leggy, you know, not quick enough initially and stuff. But but where like what Coach Prince is talking about is you could separate yourself when the ball goes in the air because you can extend and the defender can only extend so far to get you. Yeah, I think that that's a, a big point. But that just really stuck out to me, especially when we're talking about this conversation about Vasher. Just like, okay, that might make some sense as to why they seem to have an affinity for him. Uh, two more questions here. Uh, first, John Nelson asks, uh, he says, questions for hashtag love of the star. I, I like that you're using that hashtag there, John. Uh, which rookie UDFA or unheralded free agent uh, do you think we should keep an eye on during camp? I think we've all talked about a lot of the rookies that have been drafted. I will say, even though... He had a rough final practice. I know they're really excited about Matt Willetsko. Yeah. And they think he's got a future to he hang did, around he this did league. Ha- yeah, he had a bad practice the day he we did, watched it. He had a couple decent practices, though, during OTAs, he sure did. I thought. He so, sure did. So, outside that, when I think you're looking at some of the undrafted free agents, I do want to throw – I got four names for you, Brian, and I want to see if any of them stood out to you. Go. Uh, the first one, obviously, Marquise Bell. I think that's the undrafted free agent we've heard a lot about. Yes, we have. And, and, and the, you know, the talk about him was transfer right. Maryland, Maryland to, uh, yeah, to I think Florida he, A&M, right? I think it, was a, it may have been a transfer. I think he got kicked out of the program at Did Maryland. he get kicked out? Yeah. Okay, well, he, he left to go to one or the other. But, yeah, I mean, you're talking about the guy at 6'2", 212 pounds. You know, and, and that's, you know, again, ideal size for a safety. They've done a pretty right. good job of bringing guys in. And, and working him in that safety role. Let's see if he plays, be able to play that down role that uh, that, that that Dan Quinn likes. Yeah, absolutely. Peyton Hendershot, the tight end. It might be too full a group this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if that turns into the, like the next Blake Jarwin experiment where they're holding on to him at the practice squad yeah. and eventually are kind of grooming him around and he sticks around. But Hendershot's a guy that I think they're impressed with. They like him a lot, and I but I haven't seen it yet. You know, and we'll I, see. I haven't. I mean, I, I kind of. I thought during rookie minicamp, during OTAs and minicamp, I didn't see. But I thought during rookie minicamp, he looked like he a moved bit better. Well. Yeah, so I, that I, I saw it there. But that was against obviously yeah. other rookies. Uh, one of the names here, a guy who's uh, been up at the station, been on the air a couple times with uh, uh, Zach Bolchuk and Eric Chiafalo, Aaron Hansford, and that one just stands out to me mainly because I know he's a high character, high leadership guy. Uh, you know, he's very close to Babe Loffenberg because Aaron was really close with Luke, uh, right. Luke Loffenberg, his son. Um, and, you know, he'll play special teams. He's a do-anything type of guy. And linebacker's just always so predictable to me. And that's somebody that I know Dan Quinn has been impressed with uh, at times during these practices. And so Aaron Hansford at linebacker, I think, is another one to remember. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, and the one I want to mention is 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 Devin Harper. And you start to talk about rookies and stuff yes. like that. Yes. Because to me, I watch Devin Harper, and he's six foot. He's 234 pounds. And when he was, when he, you talk about a guy that can cover some ground, like the ball was going to the outside, and I'm like, he's running. He and closes fast. He's running faster. I mean, he's beating others to the ball. It's you poor, know, it's poor man's Micah Parsons. I, yeah, watching I think him. so. I, I do. And again, that's a that's high praise. Just but, the athleticism, yeah, of course. But that's a sixth round uh, rookie. But the dude can run, and I guarantee you, he's going to find ways to finish. 
you know, with the way that he plays because he can get to the ball in a hurry. Keep an eye on him. One one more quick name I've got just because I think if Rico Dowdle does not get healthy and can't compete for the third running back job, they like Malik Davis, the running it's back from Florida. It's amazing because Malik Davis, when you watch him, he had really no production other than catching the ball and blitz pickup at Florida. He mm-hmm. was – the other running backs at Florida, maybe not as – the other running backs maybe more talented – but this guy's got some serious toughness to him. It's Very like, well rounded. There's going to be some second halves of preseason games I'll be doing with Brad Sham this year, and we'll be talking about him maybe picking him somebody up so the ball can get out down the field. Dowdle, if he's healthy, I think that's an interesting Dowdle race is, to watch. Yeah, they like Dowdle a lot. I, I think Dowdle yeah. Davis will be an interesting one. All right, final question here uh, from Coach Mike B23. Uh, does Brian have a story or two regarding former scouting director Larry Lacewell, who passed away a few months ago, yeah. and can he talk about his impact on the organization? Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm very grateful, and thank you very much for that question. Larry was uh, the reason I came to the Dallas Cowboys. I was in Jacksonville. He reached out. Uh, and there was an opportunity in the pro personnel department. Larry Lacewell brought me here, so I'm always grateful for what he did for me in that regard. Lace was the absolute best. Lace's door was always open. He was always you know and it was so funny when Sean Payton was you know they were talking to him about the Raider job and like you know and all of a sudden then Jerry brought Sean in and and told Sean he goes well hey I'm gonna pay you more well then it's so funny because when when Parcells assistants found you know those guys found out that Sean was gonna get paid more money they had nowhere to go to complain. They weren't going to go to Parcells. And come. So every, all these coaches are coming into Lacewell's office, <laughs> and he's sitting down and, like, close the door, you know, and talking to him. But Larry Larry always had a really, you know, he, 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 he took a bad rap on some of the drafts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There were some crazy things that we did. But I think it, it, the one thing that even as, as an older gentleman, Lace learned along the way. I, I, I learned, you know, draft boards in Green Bay – we had 150 names on the board, lacing them in the Dallas draft. We had 300-something names, all this clutter and stuff like that. Lace is like, how do you draft? How do you draft with 140 names? You don't have enough names. And I go, trust me, you'll have five, six names left over. Lace started to incorporate things like that. And then when Parcells came in, he really fought Parcells on, on Terrence Newman he fought him on Demarcus Ware. He fought him on defense for those players. He fought for those players. You know, and and that's the thing about Lace that was so great. He was, you know, he's really a great friend with Jerry Jones, but he was a great boss. And will I, I I miss him, and when I think about him all the time, an absolute legend and somebody left a real big impact on the organization. <laughs> sure did. Uh, yeah, if you if you didn't know about Larry Lace, well, you should uh, do a little bit of research on him. He, he had a major impact on this organization. Uh, Brian, uh, the time's up again. It always goes too fast. It goes fast. Uh, it but, sure does. But again, you guys can uh, follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Broadus. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby Belt TX. Uh, we will talk to you again next Tuesday.